This morning we're gonna look at a story in Luke chapter 22. And this story is coming in right as Jesus was arrested and we see this scene play out, the Bible says, uh, here in what is called the courtyard. There is this unfolding of events that happen. The Bible tells us, uh, Luke records this account here and uh, John and Matthew also record this account of Peter when he denies Jesus. Hard story to read, really, uh, because sometimes I think uh, it is the nature that in all of us, what would we have done in a similar situation in Peter's life when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples took off running except John. But here's Peter, and Peter went a little step further. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 54, that they seized him, speaking of Jesus, and led him away and bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And then a female servant, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him, saying, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And at that moment, while he was still speaking, the, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Matthew's account records that Peter uh, also, yes, denied him three times, but they found him cursing in the courtyard as well. This morning, I want to talk to you about in the middle of the courtyard, in the middle of the courtyard. You know, we live in a culture today that is, uh, especially American Christianity, where it is hard to sometimes uh, filter through how we are supposed to be living the Christian life. That we kind of have a culture that tells us that if you go to church on Sunday, you're doing the right thing by just going to church. But we see in Scripture that the early believers and that the way that Jesus established the church was that church was not a place that we go, it's who we are, and that church is not just something that we get an attendance credit for in heaven, but it is intended to be the person that we are living to be. And unfortunately, what happens a lot of times in the Christian life is that there is a struggle. There's only two directions in the Christian life. There's either forward or backwards. There is no in-between. There's either I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart or I'm beginning to drift backwards. And unfortunately, this was the case of Peter, that he had found himself in a place where, ironically, the Bible says in the middle of the courtyard, which was exactly his, where the position of his heart. He wasn't following Jesus over there where he was supposed to be, and he wasn't completely cold, as the Revelation would tell us, far away and completely abandoned him, but he was stuck in the middle. He was in the middle of the courtyard. 
And there's a lot of Christianity today that lives in this place like Peter in the middle of the courtyard. That Peter did, as the Bible says, that Peter was following at a distance. And the tragedy is, is that oftentimes that we have created a culture of Christianity that says, well, if I can just serve him from a distance and I can do what is comfortable for me, that's what Peter was doing. It was what was comfortable for him. Then that will be okay. And so what happened was, was Peter found himself in the middle, a place that really Jesus refers to in terms later on as a place that he doesn't even want to taste near him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 that the angel wrote to the church and Laodicea the words of the amen faithful and true witness the origin of God's creation and he says I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot and I wish that you were either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I am about to spit you out of my mouth for you say watch what Jesus says I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. But you do not realize that Jesus, he's speaking to them, says, you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And therefore, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe yourself and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And Jesus tells them, I reprove and discipline those whom I loved. Or uh, some translations and maybe a, a different word that might help us truly understand the context of what Jesus is saying is, I convict and instruct those whom I love. He goes on to say, I'm standing at the door. Or first off, he says, be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. Notice that Jesus says, it doesn't say, I will come to your door. And he doesn't say, I will knock or I have knocked. He says presently, right now as he's speaking to them, I am at your door and I am knocking. He goes on to say, if you hear my voice, open the door and I will come in and eat with you and you with me. The wonderful thing about these words here that are in Laodicea, written to the church in Laodicea, is that while these words may seem like very strong, harsh words, and we think, oh my goodness, that is just, that is strong. You're not, you're, he wishes that you're neither cold, that you're lukewarm, but you're neither cold nor hot, so he wants to spit you out of his mouth. That sounds so difficult and tragic, but really when you tear these words apart and peel them back, what you see is the voice of love calling to his church. A church like Peter, they were in the middle of the courtyard. They weren't following Jesus exactly right where he was at. And they hadn't completely abandoned him, but they were just in the middle. And Jesus says, I would rather you be one way or the other, cold or hot, but you're in the middle. You're lukewarm. And this was a place of tragedy, really, for the church in Laodicea. And we're going to see some things as we talk about them and Peter's story here today, that there were some things in their lives that were causing them to stand in the middle some thoughts, some ways of living that had caused them to develop a disposition that caused them to live in the middle. I am convinced that the work of Satan is in such a way that is crafty and deceitful 
that Satan isn't really so much concerned about getting people to the place of cold or completely abandoning as he is to the place of lukewarmness. Because lukewarmness, what Jesus says, is he says, you are blind. You can't see. And when you get to the place where you're stuck in the middle in your walk with the Lord, you have been deceived. And that's exactly what happened to the church in Laodicea. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened to Peter. But thank God his eyes were later opened. They were stuck in a place of, well, I thought this was the way we were. Everything was okay in this place. There was an assumption that everything is the way it's supposed to be. But Jesus says, no, you need something to, you need some balm for your eyes, some medication for your eyes because you're blind. You can't even see anymore. So he tells them, open up your eyes. They were in the middle of the courtyard. This morning, I just want to share a few things with you about what happens when we get stuck in this middle place, which is a dangerous place for any Christian. God, Jesus desires that every believer, that they are hot, meaning that they are having a passion and a zeal to love the Lord. Listen, there is no, in the kingdom of God, there is no half-heartedness love for Jesus. That doesn't exist. You either love him or you don't. If there's half-hearted love, then that means that there's, some, there's room for something else in there that has taken place. And in the kingdom of God, it's either God first or nothing at all. And this is what happens in the hearts oftentimes is that we develop these thoughts that lead us to a place in the middle. And this was what happened to Laodicea. And so a few things that we see here about the church in Laodicea and through Peter's uh, instance here. First off, the Bible says that Jesus looked at them and he says, you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. I need nothing. And this is really a common thought whether, when we start to look at it, is a church that thinks that they need nothing, a believer that thinks that they need nothing. That if we have everything that makes us, that we all have all of the accommodations, the building, we have all of the, the structure, the program, the musicians, we have the sermon points played out. We have all the things lined up and we have kids ministry and it all looks like what we think church looks like. And if we're not careful, if we go through the motions of operation without seeking the Lord in prayer, what can develop is a disposition that says, I need nothing. We know how to do church on our own. We don't need Jesus to help us and lead us and guide us and fill us and give us inspiration to do that. We've got it down to a science. We know we're going to program it all down. It's done. But unfortunately, that's oftentimes how the Christian church operates is I need nothing. I don't need the Holy Spirit's help. I don't need Jesus's help. I've got this down. I've got this walk down on my own. But listen, listen here today. This isn't to be a words of condemnation. This was the church in Laodicea. And if the church in Laodicea could stumble upon this problem, then yours truly can as well. So we all need it. God help us today. I need nothing. The, the thing about I need nothing is that this is where it all starts. This is where the problem of being in the middle starts. It starts in the heart. The Bible teaches us in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all else. And so, you know, we have lots of songs that says, follow your heart, or, or culture sings, you know, listen to your heart, all those wonderful things. But listen, according to the Bible, it says, don't listen to your heart. 
It's deceitful above all else. Because there are ambitions and there are desires that are embedded in all of us. That's part of our human nature. It's part of our flesh. And so if we really listen to our heart, then what it comes down to is we're listening to the flesh. What does the flesh say? And oftentimes we live in a culture of self-accommodation. I need nothing. You know, I don't really need to, to read my Bible today. It'll be all right. It'll be, oh, it's okay to miss a day. Just listen how the enemy causes us to think. This has happened to all of us. Yours truly. Oh, you know what? I don't need to pray. Why do I need to pray? I, I, was, I just prayed last night for a few minutes. I did be okay. You know what? It's all right. I don't need to go to church. I, I'm able to worship God on my own and do it. In all. It's all of this perception of that leads to I need nothing. And there is no dangerous, greater dangerous place, in my opinion, than the Christian who says, I need nothing. I don't need to hear what they have to say. I don't need to hear what my brother or sister is trying to tell me. They keep coming to me and telling me, I don't need to hear what they have to say. No, no. I need nothing. But listen, remember this. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We talked about it in prayer meeting this week. And this is what God is speaking about here, is this disposition that led to pride. I need nothing. And this is what happened to Peter. Was Peter spoke up when the first person came to him, the woman said to saw him looking through the firelight, the little, the, the glimmer of the flame on his face and said, you know what? You were with Jesus, weren't you? And Peter said, woman, I don't know him. What did Peter say? I don't know him. I don't need him. I'm okay on my own. It was the separation was, I'm able to be here in the middle on my own. I don't need Jesus over here. I'm able to do it on my own. It's the, the position, once again, of self-accommodation. Let me accommodate my wishes, my desires, my wants, my flesh. But listen, how does this lead us? How does it lead the body of Christ when we're always catering to our flesh? Always listening to what the flesh is wanting. And we've created what happens, really, I preached the message years ago when I was a youth pastor called the monster that lays within. And it's so true that when we feed the monster of the flesh, what happens is, is that monster gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we find ourselves like the church in Laodicea blind and we have no clue. Deceived and no idea. It was, I need nothing. And it starts in the heart. It's saying just little areas. Listen, Satan, he's, he's crafty, the Bible says, cunning. If he can just get you to think in the little areas that you don't need Jesus, then eventually that in and of itself will lead to the big areas. Satan knows we're smarter than that. You come to and try to give us, say, how about you, how about you, Charlie? How about you just get lukewarm in the faith? Of course not. Why would, why would I do that? But it's the little areas that says, you know what? It's all right. You, you, you don't really need to read the Bible. You're tired today. Just, just ignore it. And it's the little things that lead. I need nothing. But the disposition of the early church and the early believers were, though persecution increased, though problems came upon them, financial turmoil, people persecuting Christians left and right. Generations went by of Roman emperors persecuting Christians. But they always maintained the position of the early believers that said, we need Jesus. And because they needed Jesus, what did they do? The Bible says that they met often to pray. Prayer keeps us, our hearts humble. Did you know that? 
Prayer keeps our hearts in a position where we can hear the voice of the Lord. Prayer keeps us in a confession state where we say, yes, Lord, I do need you. I do need you. I need nothing. The second thing that Jesus notes about this church here in Laodicea was he says in verse 15, he says, I know your works. I know your works. In other words, I know your deeds and your actions. I know what you're doing. He talks about their heart. He says, you're lukewarm. He knows he talks about their being, but he also talks about their works. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. And because they were neither cold or hot, the Bible goes on to say that Jesus looks at them and he says, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. What happened was, was that their works, or rather the inaction of their works, led to lukewarmness. Remember this. God has called us all as believers to be a part of the body of Christ as we welcome this here this morning. But the body, the, body, the body of the human does not have pieces of the body that lay there purposeless. God created the complete body with all of its organs, with all of its appendages for a reason. And none of them are intended to lay dormant. They have a purpose. God placed them there. And it is the same way as the believers of the Lord Jesus that make up the body of Christ is that we all have a purpose. We have a purpose. We have been redeemed to help others hear the gospel, preach the gospel, and make known the good news of Jesus. And when we develop a disposition that says, it comes out of the place that says, I need nothing, and say, you know what? Why would I do use the gift and talent that I have for the Lord? Instead, I need nothing. It leads to lukewarmness. And that's what Jesus said. I know your works. I know what you're doing. And yes, none of us are going to enter heaven by our works. We are saved by grace. Thank God we're saved by grace, right? Or otherwise we'd be in trouble, right? Like Laodicea. If we were saved by works, we would be in a pickle because here they are. He knew their works and it was a problem for them. But Jesus is watching our works. And Jesus is looking for in his church, a church that will serve him, not cold, not lukewarm, but with a passion. Because why? We are to love the Lord with all of our hearts and we are to love our neighbor as ourself. It wasn't an option that said, if you feel like it, hey, hey, brother and sister in Christ, if you feel like it, when you're on a good day, love your neighbor. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when our works lead to a place of inaction and says, I need nothing, then we develop a position of pride, lukewarmness. I'm okay from a distance. It's this place of inaction that led to lukewarmness. And so what does Jesus say about them? He calls out their inaction. He says, because I know your works and because you're lukewarm. And what would their works have looked like in the early church? Works in the early church would have looked like serving their community, faithfully helping those in need, taking care of orphans, taking care of widows, loving their neighbor as themselves, using their actions to care for the poor, for the blind, for all of the other reasons. And instead, what Jesus says is he says, the, the people that you have not helped in their physical condition has become your spiritual condition. Instead, you have developed a, a physical wealth that has led to a spiritual poverty. And he says, you are wretched, 
pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. The very people that they were called to help had become their spiritual condition in their lives. God was calling them to love, to be the church that made known the work of Jesus in all of the earth. And you watch this as well. This happened to Peter as well. A little later, someone in the courtyard, in the middle of the courtyard, said to him, first it was, you were with him. Secondly, it was, you are also one of them. And so then Peter responds, I am not. I am not. He had a position that said, I need nothing. I don't, I'm not with him. I'm on my own. I need nothing. I don't need Jesus. I'm on my own. But then he went into like the church in Laodicea and he developed a position with, am I with Jesus or am I not? And he said, I am not. Are you one of them? Peter said, no, I'm not. And this position of, I'm not going to be the, do the work of God on the earth. Instead, I'm going to take the place of complacency and said, no, I'm not part of them. I'm not the wonderful church of Jesus Christ. Uh, in a matter of fact, Jesus spoke directly to Peter and said, upon the fact that you realize I'm the Christ, I shall build my church. And Peter says, not me. I am not. I am not. Their inaction led to lukewarmness. The second thing, or the third thing we see here in Revelation about the church in Laodicea, the Bible tells them that he says, I advise you, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and that you might have white robes to clothe yourselves and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen. And he says, and salve and a balm or a medication in our language to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So that you may see. The tragedy of being in the middle is, deceive, is deceit. Being stuck in the middle, lukewarmness leads to spiritual blindness. P developing a disposition that says, I need nothing. Why would I help anybody serve the Lord with my gifting and talent that God is having? Why would I take that and do something with what God has entrusted to me? It leads to a disposition of blindness. Paul also recognizes this, and he says there are some, and that they have been turned over to a reprobate mind, the Bible says that word, and a place where they can no longer understand and see their own wrongness and their own wrongdoing. And so it led to blindness, spiritual blindness in their life. Any person who is a place of being spiritual blind only can then rely on the gentle voice of Jesus calling them back because they can't see their own fault. And as a matter of fact, Jesus recognizes this, actually. This is the wonderful thing about this story is that it's not just a bunch of uh, a conviction. There is instruction. And the, Jesus says, I am standing at the door. You may not see me standing at the door, but you can sure enough hear me knocking at the door. And he goes on to say, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. The tragedy of being in the middle, yes, is being deceived by the place that we are in, in a lukewarm state, a place that Jesus does not want us to be in. But yet Jesus is full of mercy. May none of us leave here today. Jesus is full of mercy. 
and goes out of his way to say, I am knocking and I am speaking. You may not see me, but surely you can hear me. And I know that you can. And here is your chance to invite me back in, to take place in your life, not just take place at your life, but to sit at the table with you, to have fellowship with you, to have communion with you, to be at a place of spiritual livelihood that you were once at, a passion and a zeal that used to be there for me. I wanted to come back once again. You'll notice that Jesus invited them. Their blindness caused them to miss something. It caused them to miss that they were no longer sitting and having communion with Jesus, sitting at the table, eating with him. And this is the trouble of lukewarmness is oftentimes lukewarmness. It starts in the heart, but it leads to a place of a lack of communion with Jesus. The person who is faithfully communing with Jesus, sitting at the table with him, does not have to worry about becoming lukewarm. The person who is listening to his voice and taking it into their heart and dwelling upon it and feeding their soul does not have to wonder, am I in the middle? No, that person knows because I'm sitting right at the table with Jesus. And if I'm sitting right at the table with Jesus, that's exactly where I need to be, right? And that's what he was calling the church in Laodicea was, come sit with me once again. Let me come. Let me have fellowship with you. Let me have communion. Hear my voice. Let me speak with you and get out of the middle that you're in. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Don't be in the middle anymore. Come to the place where you can sit and have communion with me once again. As the musicians come, we go back to Peter in the middle of the courtyard. He wasn't following on the heels of Jesus, which would have led him to be arrested, which would have led him to probably be, have been crucified as well. He didn't do that. Instead, he denied him. He turned his back on Jesus. And you know, I noticed something as I was reading this by the Lord's grace recently. Peter insisted multiple times, I don't know him. I am not one of them. Peter goes on, another person came the third time and said, uh, this, this man, he's a Galilean, surely you're one of them. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. This is, no, I don't have a clue. What are you talking about? And then the Bible says that that divinely appointed rooster, cock-a-doodle-doo. And this caused Peter to remember what the Lord said. But the Bible says here in verse 61, and we don't know the context of this verse other than here was Peter in the middle and there was Jesus over there had been arrested in chains. And the Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And I had always thought maybe it was the rooster that caused Peter to go and weep bitterly but the Bible says that when Jesus turned and looked at him, that it was then that Peter remembered all the words that Jesus had said to him. Rooster's gonna crow, you're gonna deny me three times. And what did Peter do? He went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. He cried deep grief because he realized I'm in the middle. I'm not with Jesus. I'm lukewarm. I'm stuck. But in the wonderful mercy of Jesus, it would be terrible if the story ended there. 
Oh, but God knows. Lukewarmness. Nobody is not susceptible for that attack to come upon them. All of us, we're in danger of that if we're not staying right with Jesus, following him, worshiping him, having communion with him. Bible tells us that later on in John chapter 21, they heard stories that Jesus had resurrected. They heard rumors. The women went and looked in the tomb. They said, his body wasn't there. They said, no, we don't believe you. We're going to go look for ourselves. And the Bible says that Simon Peter and the other disciple, they went running to the tomb. And they went and looked in. Sure enough, Jesus wasn't there. Then the Bible says that they were just kind of sad because of all of this. They were left discouraged. They heard Jesus had resurrected. His body was missing. For all they knew, they thought he, that his body had been stolen. But then they were fishing one day. And they heard a voice that said, throw the net on the other side of the boat. The Bible says that when they did, they got in a catch that they couldn't even bear. It was so much. And then the Bible says that Peter realized that as this was happening, that that was Jesus. And the Bible says that G Peter plunged into the water and ran after him onto the shore. Now, if that's not a change, of course, for Peter from where we just saw him, was there was the picture of him stuck in the middle. He wasn't about to move for Jesus' sake. But now he realized, I messed up. I, I, I've been grieving. I've been weeping bitterly. And now I realize, yes, Jesus, you did resurrect. And the position that Peter was living in was the position that you and I are now called to be living in, running after Jesus. Wherever Jesus is at, I'm going after him. If he's on the shore, I'm going to chase after him. But wherever Jesus Jesus is, I'm going after him. Listen, I truly believe that God is building a church equipped and prepared for the last days, that Jesus is coming soon, and the, the believer that will sustain and endure and persevere through turbulent times is the believer who is surely not in the middle, but the person who says, I am running after Jesus, I am running this race, and I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to be halfway in. I'm not going to give a little bit of myself. I'm not going to say I don't need nothing, but I'm going to chase after Jesus with all of that I have. Will you stand with me this morning? You're in half. This morning, will you just take a moment? Can we all today search our hearts? Lord, we don't want to be half-hearted Christians. There is no such thing. We don't want to be in the middle, Lord. Lord, help us. If, if the enemy has deceived us and we've developed a Christianity in our life, that is just stale, dry, lukewarm, no good. It's no good but to be spit out. Lord, help us all today. May you come like a mighty rushing wind and fill us with a fresh passion for you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to just talk about you like you're not in the room. We want to talk right at you, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to serve you from a distance. We don't want to stay far away and say, I need nothing. I, I don't need that. No, Lord. May in our hearts, Lord, we have a realization of our spiritual bankruptcy without you, Lord, that apart from you, Lord, we can do nothing. But that Jesus, we need you today. We need you, Jesus. Lord, help us all today. Lord, if we're drifting backwards and we're going to the place of lukewarmness, Lord, Oh God, help us to hear your voice, to hear Jesus knocking on the door of the church saying, please let me in. I want to come sit with you once again. 
oh God, help us to get out of the middle of the courtyard and to get back to the place of giving you all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus, we give you ourselves today, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us, Jesus, for our lukewarmness. We're sorry, Lord, if we've become stale in our faith, Lord. We don't want that, Jesus. We don't want the world to have a depiction of the church that is not as you desired. But Lord, may there be a burning passion in all of us. Like Job, though he slay me, yet will I live. That we might be like the church, not like Galatia. What hindered you? No, but that we may say, I ran the race. I fought the good fight. I chased after you. Oh Lord, today give us the pursuit in our heart to run after you today, Lord. God, thank you. You are rich in mercy today, Lord. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy today, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, today. This morning, you need Jesus in your life. God wants you to know he loves you. He has wonderful plans for you to do great things. Would you come this morning? We want to pray with you today. There's something going on in your life you need prayer for today. We want to pray with you this morning. Remember, we want to develop a heart that says, I need Jesus, humble ourselves and say, Lord, we need you today. If that's you this morning, please come today. We'd love to pray with you. Whatever's going on, we're going to stand with you this morning as the choir comes.